Welcome back to the eighth and final episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast Divisional Breakdown Series. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Arnell. Today we're going to be talking about the few things that we find interesting while looking at the AFC East from a fantasy perspective, as well as covering the Rob Gronkowski trade and the impact it might have on the Tampa Bay offense. up guys first take fantasy back here today and today we're going to talk about the AFC East and before we get to anything we want to talk about the Rob Gronkowski trade so my New England Patriots traded a former WWE superstar for a fourth round pick so Tyler with Gronk being back in the fold now he's playing with his boy Tom Brady in Tampa Bay how do you feel about Gronk this year yeah I think that he's gonna be drafted too high for the production that we're gonna see on the field I think that he could have a more spotty role on this offense he's coming into age 31 a year away from football and you know they have another tight end on the roster with Cameron Brake assuming that OJ Howard gets traded so I think that his impact is going to be more so on in the blocking game as he's been an elite blocker throughout his career but for someone that's probably going to be drafted as a top eight tight end I'm going to steer away from Rob Gronkowski this year yeah, if he's drafted as top eight, I will not have Gronkowski on a single team that I have this year in redraft. So, yeah, yeah, just the price is going to be way too high because it's a name that a lot of people love and casual football fans are going to be like, oh, he's going to be so good. He's been a top tight end forever. But after seeing how beat up he was and taking a year off, it's kind of hard to expect that much from him. So, and also the system does not favor him. We saw Bruce Arians turned what everybody thought was going to be an O.J. Howard breakout into literally being one of the worst fullbacks in the league. So <laughs> if Gronkowski's fate turns out anywhere like O.J. Howard, we could probably see him playing in the XFL in two years. So, yeah, Gronkowski, I think he helps Brady, and he might take away a little bit from the rest of the options in this offense, but nothing to really worry about. I think there obviously helps Brady a lot. Brady's honestly someone I'd consider as a QB1 now because – that offense is lethal, and we know how many touchdowns and how Brady can play with Gronk. Now you add in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and whatever running back they have next year. That's going to be scary. I think there also is a big upgrade for the running back position because, like you said, Gronk is a good blocker. So assuming they keep building out that O-line, that offensive line is going to be pretty solid, and that system, Arian system, favors a workhorse running back. So something to look forward to in that Tampa Bay backfield running back position the running back position whoever it is in that backfield I think could be very valuable with the other weapons in Tampa Bay I think that it might knock Mike Evans a little bit down but I don't see Chris Godwin really getting affected with this Gronkowski trade like you said the offense doesn't really favor tight ends Gronkowski does not get as many targets as we're accustomed to. Yeah, so moving on from Gronkowski, we go to the team that traded him, my favorite team, the New England Patriots. So obviously when you lose Tom Brady, the offense's ceiling as a whole goes down. So I don't think right now there's much to talk about in New England. Um, Julian Edelman's value goes down. James White value goes down. Sona Michelle's value kind of stays the same. He's probably going to get some volume this year unless he gets injured and then it's a Damian Harris show 
or the Rex Burkhead show, which I hope never happens in New England. But, yeah, Tyler, how do you feel about this offense this year in New England? Yeah, I'm going to be steering away from most of these players, especially Sonny Michelle, who's being drafted as running back 33, ADP 83, just because I don't think that there's much upside for him there. And when you look at ADP 83, which is kind of the eighth or ninth round in your drafts, I'm, I'm more so looking for flyers that can deliver on some upside later on in the season. So, Sony Michelle, I, I mean, I think his ceiling, if everything goes right for him, is a low RB two, maybe, maybe a flex. Yeah. I so agree. that's not necessarily. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not searching for that as a best case scenario in the eighth or ninth round. So I'm avoiding that. James White is the same thing. He definitely takes a toll since he's not going to be. He's not going to have Tom Brady as his quarterback this season. Who has heavily targeted the running back position throughout his career. So maybe Sidham relies on him a lot uh, as a first-year starter, but I don't think that he gets the, the same volume that he's gotten before. And the same thing with Edelman, who has been probably Brady's top target in the past three seasons or so. Definitely. When you, definitely. Uh, yeah, when you account for targets and – don't account for the season that he was out with the torn ACL. So, yeah, I think all of them take a dip and not an offense that I want to be a part of in 2020. Really quick, gun to your head, you have to pick one of the two. In half PPR, are you taking James White or Sony Michelle this year? I'm going to take James White because, like I said, I think that Sidham could rely on him a little bit in the passing game as a first-year starter, second-year player. And we've seen the talent that James White has, so – I think that he has a higher floor than Sonny Michelle, and they have just about the same upside. I can see that, yeah. James White probably get more catches. I think he's definitely still involved in this offense. Yeah, Sonny, you're really just hoping for touchdowns because yardage-wise, I don't know if he's going to blow anybody away. Hopefully he improves, but I'm not counting on it. So, yeah, Patriots offense is going to be low upside. One player that I do like from this offense is going to be Nikhil Harry, uh, just as like a late-round stash because everybody's already writing him off as a bust, someone that you can kind of look for upside with. He can develop into being the first-round receiver he was drafted as. And then you have a pretty solid wide receiver four on your hands. But outside of that, not much to talk about there. Now moving to the team I hate the most, the New York Jets. This team really underwhelmed last year from a fantasy standpoint. Sam Darnold got mono in the middle of the year, and that offense went completely down the drain. No one ever recovered. Le'Veon had two good games to start the year. Sam Darnold went out, and he just completely fell off a cliff. So, with that being said, Le'Veon Bell, how do you feel about him this year, Tyler? Yeah, it's about the same feeling that I had about him at the end of last year. I made the mistake of trading for Le'Veon Bell last season. Shame on you. Looking at it as – yeah, shame on me. Just looking at the schedule, not factoring in the fact that Adam Gase is his head coach and – just completely disregards the running back position in real football and fantasy football. So, yeah, that definitely came back to bite me, relying on Le'Veon Bell as my RB1. So, yeah, not going to be making that mistake again. Imagine trusting a New York Jet. Couldn't be me. Yeah. yeah Trading it's, it's, for a New York Jet? Couldn't be me. Yeah, not, not going to happen myself. again this year. I would not suggest anybody to do that. You'll just get burned, and you'll definitely feel it in week 14 looking at everybody in the playoffs and you're just like sitting there hoping for a consolation win 
Quick question. So, do you think Le'Veon Bell has legitimate RB1 upside this year? Do you think he can finish in the top 12 or 10? The talent is definitely there for Le'Veon Bell to finish as a high RB1. But like I said, in this offense with Adam Gase as his coach, his head coach, I just don't see a hypothetical where he does finish in the top 12. I think his upside is really a mid RB2 just based on volume, which we saw early on he did get a lot of volume, especially in the passing game, and that's kind of what lifted his two big games that you mentioned. Yeah, it was like PPR-based scoring because he wasn't getting many yards and he didn't score a touchdown till very late in the season, so not not yeah. someone I love. Yeah, I think he finished with like two or three touchdowns on the season, like it's some Leonard surprising. Fournette type thing. Yeah, it's it was ridiculous. And I think that one of the games where he did go off – or not necessarily go off, but he had a good game against the Cleveland Browns when he had, I think, 14 catches out of the backfield. So, <laughs> yeah, if you, I'm not relying on Le'Veon Bell to catch 14 balls out of the, the backfield this season in every game. So, yeah, I'm steering away from Le'Veon Bell. With that being said, would you rather have Le'Veon or Devin Singletary? Give me motor. Okay, so you're taking Devin Singletary. Me too. Yep. Not necessarily that high on Singletary, but I just don't like this Jets offense. They kind of have yeah, similar you said roles. It, they, it's, it's just yeah. not, not, not an offense that you want to be a part of. The, the Patriots and the Jets are, are right there in offenses that you don't want to be a part of. It's kind of weird saying that about the Patriots because they've dominated the, the Yeah, but they've NFL always been like a tricky fantasy destination anyways because they, they play situationally. They play to win every single week, so – you're not going to get the same workload from week to week, whether you're a running back or receiver or quarterback. It's just however the game is going is how they're going to play it. And it's not one of those teams that is going to feed their guys regardless. So, yeah, I've, I've always felt a little iffy about the Patriots, although I'm a Patriots fan. I've really tried to stay away from having Patriots on my team unless they're in a super high-volume role like Edelman last year. But, yeah, Patriots and the Jets, two low-upside offenses, not necessarily loving them this year. Um, with the Jets, last thing really quick, Jameson Crowder, he can be a solid wide receiver for in PPR to be had later in drafts because he will see a lot of targets. Adam Gase loves to target the slot, and Sam Donald is seemingly scared to throw anywhere else. So just another player to look at from the Jets. And now moving forward to the team that is most likely going to win this division, the Buffalo Bills. So with the Bills, they have, like we were talking about earlier, they have Devin Singletary. So Tyler, you did take Devin Singletary over Le'Veon Bell. Tell me about how you feel about Singletary as RB18 off the board this season. Yeah, RB19, actually, ADP40. Yeah, I think it's a little bit too high. I'd much rather take him as a in the sixth or seventh round as opposed to the fifth round just because you're kind of relying on your first flex off the bench there in that fifth round, especially early on, ADP40 is top of the fifth round in a 10-teamer and mid-fourth round in, in a – 12 teamer so yeah not going to rely on Devin Singletary as my potential RB2 or RB or yeah RB2 they add someone in the draft just to get, have a change of pace like we saw this past season with Frank Gore and it is a solid uh, offensive line that, that he runs behind but I think that Josh Allen's running ability and his rushing touchdown ability kind of takes away from takes away from motors upside this season so I don't see him finishing as an RB1 at all. Uh, I think that his upside, his absolute ceiling is a high RB2. But if things don't pan out his way, he could end up being like a, a 12 to 15 touch guy that you're drafting as an RB2. 
and that's just not something that I'm looking for this season. Yeah, I think he's someone that's kind of similar to what we've seen from on Johnson in the past. He doesn't have that much touchdown equity, and the offense doesn't necessarily favor using him at the goal line. But he does play in a pretty solid offense. He'll get a lot of yards, and he'll get touches for sure. Like you said, Josh Allen's rushing ability in the red zone is huge. He's averaging, what, like eight and a half touchdowns per year for his first two years? Yeah. So taking away those eight and a half touchdowns that could potentially be motors, that does a lot to negatively impact his fantasy value. I think Motor's a perfect RB3 to draft, but right now he's being drafted as an RB2 and someone that I won't have many shares of. Although the upside is there for him to grow as a player, he still doesn't necessarily wow me from a fantasy perspective. I don't necessarily see that RB1 upside either. So Motor's someone I'm kind of staying away from. Someone I'm totally fine drafting at their price is Josh Allen. So right now he's going as QB7 off the board. I think he's appropriately valued. He does have that rushing upside from week to week. And then you take the offense that they had last year and they all get a year older because they were a young offense. And then you add Stephon Diggs. I think the sky's really the limit for Josh Allen. He has everything in place for him to have that year three breakout as a quarterback. And if he improves as a passer, we're talking about a guy who's going to finish in the top five or top three almost. And being had at QB7, I think that's really his floor for this season. So how do you feel about Josh Allen? There's a very high floor for Josh Allen, thanks to his rushing ability. You mentioned it before, he's averaging eight and a half touchdowns per year. He had nine in 2019, and he averaged 32 yards per game in 2019. So you're talking about about six points a game added to his, his score just based on his rushing ability. That's, and along with insane. that, he – yeah. Wow. So add that into the possibility of him – improving as a passer, adding a guy like Stephon Diggs into this offense, who I don't think will benefit Diggs as much as it does Josh Allen fantasy-wise. Definitely so agree there. He definitely has top five and top three fantasy potential here if he does improve as a pa- passer. But what keeps him as a great as a good value at QB7 is the four that he, he brings as a, as a rusher. So, yeah, definitely buying Josh Allen as QB7 this season. Last player to talk about with the Bills is a player they acquired from the Vikings, Stephon Diggs. So you touched on it a little bit earlier. Tyler, explain to me why you're a little bit lower than most on Stephon Diggs this year. Yeah, so he's going as wide receiver 22, ADP 49, which is right around end of fifth round, early sixth round. I don't think that he gets the volume that people expect him to get in Buffalo. He got 94 targets in Minnesota last season, which was about six and a quarter targets per game. I don't think that that goes up that much. I think that he gets up to about 115, 120 targets this season, which with a quarterback as inaccurate as Josh Allen, I don't think is enough to get him into that high wide receiver two range. I think that barring a large amount of touchdowns this season, I think he finishes around the mid to low wide receiver two range. What's good is that he'll add some consistency the season. We saw that with John Brown. He didn't necessarily add a lot a lot of upside from a week-to-week basis, but he got a healthy amount of target targets throughout the season. And with that, he gave you a solid 10 to 12 points per game. So I think that Stephon Diggs can fill that role in this offense. And with that, I don't think that he does add a, a lot of upside 
when you're going from a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who has a 67 to 70% completion percentage to Josh Allen, who I don't think has finished over 60% completion percentage yet in the NFL. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you there. I think Diggs kind of assumes the role that John Brown had last year will finish Mm -hmm. probably slightly better than he did from like a week-to-week basis because Diggs obviously is more talented than Brown. He's one of the better receivers in the NFL. And, yeah, losing that accuracy that Kirk had but gaining the volume that he's going to have on a week-to-week basis, I think we'll see Diggs, one, not complain so much about the quarterback because he hated playing with Kirk because he was getting open on those deep routes and not getting thrown to. But I think he will get a little frustrated when he's getting open on those deep routes and he's getting thrown to. And Josh Allen is throwing it to the opposite side of the field just because his arm is literally a sawed-off shotgun and you don't know where it's going to go. But <laughs> it's, it's going to be exciting to watch because this offense, this team is going to be really good. And if Josh Allen can make that jump, I legitimately think the Bills can be Super Bowl contenders this year. I think they can threaten. and they're probably the They're probably, outside of the Ravens, the best competition the Chiefs are going to have in the AFC this year. I mean, they really have that good of a team, and they should have beaten the Texans last year. So I really like the Bills this year from a football perspective. From fantasy football, I think Josh Allen is going to be really good. Devin Singletary, solid, but kind of overpriced for what he's going to be. And Stephon Diggs being drafted a little bit too high just because I think there are players with more upside. I, don't, I think his ceiling is quite capped in this offense because he does play with Josh Allen, and he does have multiple other capable targets around him. So – the Bills team as a whole is someone to keep an eye on because they could be really good this year. And obviously really good teams and really good offenses translate into good fantasy production most of the time. So team to keep your eye on is definitely the Bills. And the last team to talk about in the AFC East is Miami Dolphins. So they didn't really do much in free agency and we're waiting for them to draft tomorrow night. But for right now, they do have the five, 18 and 26 overall picks along with two second rounders. So a lot of, young talent is probably going to come into both sides of the ball on this team and they address the defense and free agency. So they're really going to be looking towards the offense as things stand right now with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback and Chan Gailey coming as the offensive coordinator. Tyler, how do you feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick this year to start the season? Yeah, I think that he can definitely light it up to begin the year. We we've seen him and Chan Gailey worked before in both Buffalo and in New York the chemistry that they've had in previous seasons could definitely benefit him early on. I think that we could see some Fitz magic early on, maybe a three and one start for the young Miami dolphins led by Brian Flores. He can be a streamer early on and someone that you could maybe sell high on after the fourth or fifth week. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if all goes bad in my draft and I don't have a quarterback come the last pick of the first round I'll just take Fitzmagic and see what happens and just lock myself into streaming until I find a good QB but yeah he definitely has that upside I think the biggest having Chan Daly as the offensive coordinator is going to help this passing offense as a whole because we saw last year that it did kind of fall off the rails for a few games before really coming on strong to end the season so with Chan Gailey coming to the offense, Devontae Parker definitely sees an increase in security being the X receiver. And shout out to One Thought Fantasy on Instagram. If you guys don't follow him, you definitely should. Very high quality account, posts a lot of great content about players and coaching changes and whatnot. So follow One Thought Fantasy if you don't already. And he dropped an incredible stat nugget that said, Devontae Parker is going to get that X receiver role. For Chan Gailey, the X receiver had 1,000 yards for each of the last five seasons that he was the offensive coordinator. 
So if you see that type of volume and security where you're going to pretty much lock him into a thousand yard role, then yes, Devontae Parker will be really good. Although with the draft upcoming, there are question marks as to who's going to be the quarterback for the majority of next season, assuming they take a rookie and whether they're going to draft a receiver because they do have so much draft capital that they can spend in such a high quality receiver draft. So Tyler, right now as wide receiver 19 off the board, are you buying or selling Devontae Parker there? Yeah, I think that his draft value depends on whether they add another piece to this offense that would threaten Devontae Parker as his ex-receiver role. If they do add another guy that would not necessarily pose as a threat to that, I think that I would be buying Devontae Parker as a wide receiver 19. I think that's about where his floor would be in this offense as the ex-receiver in this Chan Gailey offense with Ron Fitzpatrick as the quarterback. I think that if they do add a quarterback, I still see Ryan Fitzpatrick being the starter week one. And I think we do eventually see the rookie quarterback step in, whether it's one of Herbert, Tua, Jordan Love, even the later guys, Jalen Hurts. With Devontae Parker being drafted as a low wide receiver too, I would definitely buy that this season. We saw last season the the talent that he has that we've kind of been waiting for the past four or five seasons he's been in the league as of right now buying him as a low wide receiver too possibly as my flex this season and someone that could have some wide receiver one upside in this high volume passing offense yeah there's a lot of question marks heading into the draft my thing with him is if they do change quarterbacks obviously Devontae Parker found success with Ryan Fitzpatrick but he hasn't worked with any other quarterback before So I think Preston Williams is a name to keep an eye on as someone that's really low draft capital, but has almost similar upside as Devontae Parker, because watching them play last year, Devontae Parker is the better receiver, but Preston Williams was a rookie and has shown flashes of being a true number one in the league. So if you get a new quarterback in there, maybe it isn't like Ryan Fitzpatrick force feeding Devontae Parker and instead they just target the guy who's going to be open more. And Preston Williams is definitely the better route runner between the two. So I'll take Preston Williams over Devontae Parker later. Right now, I'll sell Devontae Parker at his current draft capital just because I'm scared of the changes and the uncertainty, not only going into the season, but that could happen throughout the season. So I'd rather look in a different direction, although the upside is very good with Devontae Parker at his current draft value. And the last thing to talk about with the Dolphins is really – uncertain but whatever running back they take in the draft assuming they take one in the first two rounds especially if he's a receiving back like DeAndre Swift or Cam Akers or Clyde Edwards Hilaire I would love to draft that player in fantasy because Chan Gailey likes to target and give the running back position carries and obviously Jordan Howard is there but if you can get their starting running back in like the fifth or sixth round seventh round as your flex or RB3 then definitely someone to look to this year yeah I agree with you I think I'd be looking to draft DeAndre Swift regardless of where he goes, unless he goes into a situation where he'd be in the committee or just like a very bad offense. Definitely buying the DeAndre Swift value. Another guy you mentioned, Cam Akers and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Those guys are definitely more situationally dependent. I'd definitely be looking at at them as well if they went into the right situation. But if they do add a running back to this offense that does add – some receiving value with Jordan Howard there. I think that they could have some fantasy value as potentially a flex a season, just something to look out for. 
Yeah, the Dolphins are a team that will be able to cover more in-depth once the smoke settles or once the dust settles after the NFL draft. But for right now, there's a lot of uncertainty. We do see potential with whoever the running back is and Devontae Parker slash Preston Williams. And we'll talk more about Mike Gesicki, whether they draft a slot receiver or not. That's going to be it for the AFC East podcast. This wraps up our divisional breakdown series where we lay the foundations for our analysis moving forward in the offseason. Our opinions may change a slight bit following the draft and whatever happens in free agency after the draft, but we will definitely be addressing these situations along the way. If you like what you hear from us and want more stats or fantasy advice or just want to connect with us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at FTFantasyFB and on Instagram at FirstTakeFantasy. Our next episode will be covering the biggest winners and losers from the NFL draft with special guest Grant Meismer, a former college football beat writer out of the Miami area. We'll sit down and decide which rookies have the best outlook in 2020 and which players were helped or hurt the most by the 2020 draft. This episode will be releasing on our usual Apple Podcasts or Spotify platforms, but also on our YouTube channel, which is going to be FT Fantasy Football, where we'll be releasing loads of content throughout the summer to get you right before redraft season.